maybe you can sneak 15 minutes in a break at work. Why not give it a try? Turn off your phone. Set your distractions aside. You know, inevitably, two minutes into that 15 minutes, you're going to get a text message, and it's going to be so important, and you have to reply to it right now, of course. So literally, turn, your phone has an off button. I don't know if you knew that. You can actually turn it off. Don't silence it. Don't put it on vibrate. Turn it off. Find a place where you can do this consistently. What I mean is look for a space that is conducive to this that you can revisit. Maybe it's a chair in your backyard. Probably not this time of year, but maybe it's a chair in the backyard. Maybe it's, I don't know, a room in the library. Maybe it's that closet at work where nobody else goes when you take your 15-minute break. But a consistent place. I would say the closer to nature, the better. Because I think that God does also speak to us through the beauty of his creation. I say keep a piece of paper for fly-by thoughts, okay? I get distracted so easily. So when I'm trying to do this kind of thing, I just keep an empty piece of paper there and a pen. And when I'm trying to focus my mind on God and the thought comes to mind, oh shoot, you have to email that person. I just write it down on the paper, flip the paper over. It's there, I can worry about later. I don't have to think about it now. And then the next time the thought comes up, oh, you gotta call that person. Okay, flip the paper back over. Just write it down, get it out of the way, be done with it. So you can deal with that later. Then I would say find a psalm, or it doesn't have to be a psalm, another passage. I like psalms. They speak deeply to my heart. Read it. Then pick out a short phrase or a verse from that psalm or that passage that you want to use to focus your listening time with God. And so here's an example. And I I tried to pick one that was a little bit more um, abstract. It doesn't speak directly to us, maybe. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Psalm 113, verse 4. And so begin to meditate on it. What is God saying in this passage of Scripture in general? What does it mean? What is God saying now specifically to you through it? Consider the meaning of maybe each different word and how those words are linked together, what their total meaning is once you put them together. The Lord is above all nations. The UN doesn't run the place. NATO doesn't run the place. The President of the United States doesn't run the place. The Lord is above all nations. His glory is greater than the amazing glory of the heavens. The galaxies, the stars, the planets, the universe is spinning. The universe spinning in its infinite mass. God in His glory is greater. And allow your imagination to play with your mind a little bit as you explore this truth. You might imagine as you sit there silently, even with your eyes closed, that you're seeing the throne of heaven and there is God with his robes spilling over the throne made up of a billion shining galaxies. That is his robe. And kings and presidents and rulers bow before his throne because of his greatness. Just dying for an opportunity to bring some gift before him. Now, on a side note, some people are afraid to use their imaginations in this kind of prayer, this kind of meditation. But we're all sinful human beings. And what I want you to understand is that sin has corrupted every part of who we are. There is no more danger in using your flawed imagination in prayer than there is in using your flawed rationality in prayer. 
I, I tend to be more rational, more logic. I like that. It seems to make sense to me. But I come to illogical conclusions all the time. You can ask my wife. She'll verify that. And so maybe you want to use your imagination and ask God to sanctify it and to lead you in prayer. And after you've considered each word and how they work together, then, then ask God to speak to your heart. Allow him to whisper to you, this king and this God, high above all nations. He has chosen to make his home in your heart. He whose glory is above the heavens has chosen to share that glory with you. He clothes you in robes of righteousness like the prodigal son. He invites you to sit at his banquet table. He calls you into his presence. And you're not in his presence like a groveling slave forced to do his bidding against your will like you should be. No, you've been given a seat of honor at his table because the blood of Christ has redeemed you. And he's wrapped you in his glory and he has given you the honor that is above all the nations. And then sit silently for a minute after you pray and ask him to lead you. And when your mind starts to wander back to your to-do list or your emails or whatever it is, focus it back on the scripture. You read it again. What is God saying? The Lord is high above all nations. And you allow scripture to bring your mind back to what it needs to be by rereading that passage. And at this point then, I would say you simply wait and you let God do what he wants to do and you listen. I had, I had an experience somewhat like this maybe four or five months ago where I was just praying and meditating and I thought that like 15 minutes had passed and I came out of the prayer chapel at Phoenix Seminary and it was like an hour and 15 minutes later. And the time had just flown by and it was so precious and sweet. And now imagine how your relationship with God might develop if you spent 15 minutes a day listening to him like this and you committed to doing that on a regular basis for the next six months. I think six months would fly by and you would be so addicted to the presence of God that your heart would rebel at the idea of quitting. You would be upset at people who tried to encroach on that time because it was so precious to you. And you would find that you're hearing from God more often. He speaks to you all throughout your day. You thought it was only in the quiet, silent prayer chapel or space that you had found, but you find his presence everywhere jumping out at you more than it ever has before. And the Bible, the Bible as you read it has become this living book that tells the story of a living God who speaks in all kinds of ways to those who are willing to listen. Okay, now to conclude, how can I be sure that this works? Maybe you're the skeptic and you're like, yeah, maybe that works for you, but not me. How do I know that if you consistently practiced this, you would hear from God? Well, I can tell you that for certain, our ability to hear God does not come from us. It's not rooted in us. It's not, it's not in our nature to hear from God or to even look to God or desire him. That's not how we're naturally wired as sinful humans. Just look around you at our crazy world and it becomes immediately obvious that humans do everything they can to avoid God at all costs. It's sort of like when you're in the grocery store and you see that person from a distance and you're like, Ugh, and so you go down this aisle to get away from them. Okay? We do everything in our power 
to have that kind of interaction with God by, by nature. And God knew this. God knew that once humanity rebelled against him and sinned and turned from him in the Garden of Eden, that we would never clearly hear his voice again, which is why God chose to break the silence. And the reason I know this works is because it was God who took the initiative to speak to us. And the success that we find in listening to him is rooted in him and his works, not in us and our works or our abilities. And God wanted us to hear from him so badly that he took the initiative. He sent his son Jesus to speak the words of the Father. And if Jesus didn't do what he did on the cross, then we should never expect to hear from God. But because Jesus came and died and rose from the dead and placed his spirit inside of us to give us his life, we should expect to hear God the Father speaking to us all the time. God has repaired the lines of communication that we broke through sin. And so your success in hearing God speak does not ultimately depend on you. It depends on the spirit of Christ alive inside of you. And if you were to choose to really be silent and pray and listen, then I am certain that in time you would hear the thin silence of God speaking to your heart. And so the real question is not, will I succeed, but rather, will I be silent and seek? It's not, can I do this, but will I do this? William Carey, the great missionary, he said this about prayer. Prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer, lies at the root of all personal godliness. Let me pray. God, we want to be godly. We want to reflect you. We want to honor you and praise you and give you glory. And we want to know you. We want to be satisfied in you. We want to find joy in you. We, we desire relief from the anxiety and the fear and the terror of this life. We desire relief from the pressures that this life holds. We, we desire to be comforted in you and to know you to be full. And so God, would you help us pray? Would you make us people who pray? Not just who pray words of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication, but people who pray in silence and listen and expect you to speak and know your words so that you can communicate clearly to us. God, would you help us to have secret, fervent, believing prayer that leads to greater godliness? Amen.